You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? Ryan, you did a great job yesterday, especially considering all the all the news that you had to get through in one episode by yourself. There was just so much. Uh, but uh, I, I, I was listening to it last night, and I was like, whoa, he, he, um, he, he was able to cover it all. So uh, thanks for covering that. I know uh, I was unavailable, and, and Ben was also uh, didn't have his mic with him. So uh, I'm glad that we were able to cover all the Star Wars news. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the Star Wars stuff today. But I just want to say uh, for your first time doing this on Slash Film Daily, you did a pretty good job. Why, thank you, Peter. Uh, back in the day before anyone cared about anything I did, I, I had several podcasts. I was trying to build a podcast network way back in the day. So I, I have a little bit of experience in this arena. It was fun to do it. It was fun to do it. I, I hope it's not the last time. <laughs> I, I'm guessing it won't be the last time. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, let's start first with some news that just broke right before we were about to record. This involves the postmortem Marvel return for Stan Lee. Uh, yeah, so look, just to be clear before we even dive into this, there is a lot that can be said about this and a lot to be determined about this. But 
what what the headline is here is that uh, Marvel Studios uh, has signed a licensing deal for the um, <clears throat> uh, uh, license to name and likeness of one Mr. Stanley. Uh, one, uh, Stanley, of course, one of the uh, big backbones of Marvel Comics for decades, uh, co-creator alongside the likes of Steve Get Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby of the most famous superheroes on the planet. Uh, Lee, of course, passed in 2018. And so now, uh, as reported by The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Marvel has signed a 20-year deal with Stanley Universe, uh, a venture between Genius Brands uh, International and POW Entertainment, to license the name and likeness of Lee for use in future feature films and television productions, as well as Disney theme parks, various experiences, and merchandising. So, uh, what will not be happening here is we're not going to get like digital recreations of Stanley like they did with Peter Cushing in Rogue One. However, this new deal does not necessarily pave the way for the return of Lee cameos in movies, at least not in the way fans traditionally knew them. Insiders caution. It is unclear if the public even has an appetite to see Lee. Yeah, so there's... Uh, mm. So the deal does give Marvel permission to use Lee's name, voice, likeness, and signature in movies and television projects, as well as to use images, existing footage, and existing audio recordings featuring him. So, okay, so he could make a cameo if they had, like cut footage that they tried to film with a cameo of him they could use that but they sure. can't cg a cameo of him sure or they could find some archival footage that maybe you know or, or again a voice cameo or anything like that that stuff becomes possible yeah so okay so yeah that that that's the very basics of it <laughs> i can read the statements if you want from from you know the the people involved here if if we care about that but that's really the basic deal and by and the again, way they, they also updated the story uh lee's likeness cannot be used in vr or video games so that's not part of the deal right and then again the other thing the other thing i just want to point out before we get too far off topic here is that this is a 20-year deal that's a long deal yes but i mean okay there's one side of this that i don't know when you you mentioned this in our slack channel our, our slash home slash channel and when i first started i was like oh that's cool because lee will you know stan lee was a big part of marvel comics and the creation of all these characters and he really didn't make a lot of money off it like he was poorly paid as the editor i don't want to say poorly paid but not like you know he's not the uh, the rich guy that you think would be for creating spider-man and all the event do you know what i mean like he at least, he, yeah he at least wasn't for many of those decades like like yeah. lee made stan lee made money yeah yeah like, yeah. i'm not like, not saying that he, no, he didn't but, make but, money but but he wasn't i remember years ago i was listening to seth green on a podcast and seth green was kind of friends with stan lee toward the end and he was talking about how after spider-man came out in 2002 and you got to remember neat lee stan lee died i think he was 94 so when spider-man came out he was still late 70s wait or you said 80s. stan lee died in 94 or stan lee was 94 when he died i'm sorry oh okay <laughs> oh sorry sorry i said i mixed it but anyway so stan so stan lee lived a long life so he was approaching his 80s when that first spider-man movie came out yeah and seth green talked about how he had seen stan lee at a convention before that movie and he kind of looked a little worn down and tired and and then he said he saw stan lee after he got what he joked as the spider-man check and the dude just had a pep in his step. And, you know, that just turned a lot of things around for him because he'd been tried for decades 
for decades to get Hollywood to take these characters seriously. So that's one of the big things is that once Spider-Man happened and once these movies were taken seriously, it was kind of the realization of a long, long, long dream that he had pushed for for a long time. Yeah. So part of me is like, oh, this is cool because uh, I'm assuming his family is going to get uh, a good paycheck out of this. It, it's it, it's furthers his legacy of kids knowing who Stanley is. You know, I I went to Avengers Campus a couple weeks back. They added a plaque dedicating uh, the campus to Stanley. So Which that seems was fair. cool. Yeah, that seems I, fair. I wonder if this has something to do with that too, because like you know that wasn't there on opening day of the campus. Um, I'm not sure that you need permission to have a dedication to Stanley, but um, but yeah, it was, but it seemed like the slash film Slack was really against this idea. Yeah, I'm not sure if everyone had like read the story and understood because I think that yeah. they're, they're, I think that it's easy to think that they were just going to use this as like let's digitally recreate Stanley all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think like you know obviously like Walt, uh, you know the Disney Corporation has had Walt Disney as its anchor even decades after his death and he shows up from time to time you know his likeness will show up in things and I think in as much as the Marvel brand has become ubiquitous in pop culture you can't really divorce that from Stan Lee and I think if you do this tastefully you know there is a way to sort of remind people of that man now this opens up the other conversation though about you know Stanley was part of this and he was very much the 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 PT Barnum of Marvel Comics but you know you do have like the likes of Stanley and Steve Ditko who are owed a lot as well who don't get as much you know in yeah, the Jack conversation. Kirby. Yeah, J- Jack Kirby, yeah, sorry. Um and you know, Jack Kirby was I'm, I'm I'm losing my words today here but yeah. but but uh but yeah, Jack Kirby and and Steve Ditko and they you know they you know, no one's begging for their likeness rights, you know, and, and, you know, so I don't know, there's something to be said there, but, but it, 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 again, if it's done, if it's not overdone, I can see why this is potentially valuable to Marvel and Stanley's legacy. If you do it tastefully. Yeah. I'm wondering, I don't know, like, you know, this must be a big deal. This must have cost, disney a lot of money to, to get this i'm wondering you don't just do this deal of like oh maybe we'll need stanley right like it's not like maybe one day we'll we'll need uh stanley to appear in something like, it feels like they need him for something do, do you have any idea of like what why this was signed i don't know i mean again my suspicion is like it could it could be a ton of things it could be Okay, because even if you go to the comics, maybe you want to, because again, this even, uh, the deal extends to like Stan Lee's signature and other things. So like maybe in the comics, you want to reference Stan Lee on some level. Yeah. Maybe maybe in, you know, the movies, you want to have a little like picture of Stan Lee now. Instead of a cameo, you've got a little Easter egg to Stan Lee. This paves the way for you to still be able to tribute the man without him being here. And I'm guessing that maybe that was on the table and they needed a way to do it. Yeah. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they use this deal and how Stanley appears in future comics, movies, merchandising, the parks. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the big thing. Maybe the parks, too, is pretty big, because especially because they've they've really upped the Marvel footprint at the parks. Um, I think that could end up being a big part of it. Yeah, one of the big criticisms when Avengers Campus opened 
last year, almost a year ago now, was that Stan Lee was not featured anywhere in the land. There was no like Easter eggs to him uh, or, or anything like that. Um, obviously, he's featured in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. He filmed the cameo. He's in the collector's collection, spoiler alert. Um, but you'll see him on the screens. And that's part of Avengers Campus, but that was a pre-existing ride that was kind of like, uh, you know, in, enveloped into Avengers Campus. Um, so I'm wondering if they want to put Lee somewhere in the Web Slingers ride because, you know, he's such a big part of Spider-Man's uh, history, creation, legacy. And uh, that that was like something that fans were kind of complaining about. So like maybe... I don't know, but I, I just don't, it seems weird to me that like, like it would have been very easy to put like a sign up somewhere like Lee's delivery service or do, do you know what I mean? Like some kind of like Easter. I don't think that this, a deal like this required is required for something like that. Um, so, That's true. That's true. Uh, but I don't know. This paves the way for more in that department, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about uh, yesterday you were talking about the Star Wars news, all the stuff from Vanity Fair. One of the things that you were not able to get to because you had so much to talk about is there's this quote that kind of went viral, at least on the Twitterverse, and it's a quote from Lucasfilm head Kathleen Kennedy. I'm going to read what Vanity Fair wrote because it's also like, you know, Vanity Fair is – and uh, Anthony Bresnikan, who penned this piece, you know, it's not a a transcript of an interview. So we don't know what was asked. We don't know what was we, – we only have the the quote out of context. So I, I, I got to – Yeah, it's a feature piece. It's worth noting. Yeah. Like it's I, – I guess I should have mentioned that yesterday. But, yeah, it's a big yeah. feature. Yeah, so I, I do want to say that, like, you know, we're, we're about to talk about this. But we, we also don't know what Anthony asked and, right. how, it, you know – it's also maybe worth pointing out for people who have followed this stuff. Anthony Bresnikan is very much viewed in high regard by people in the yes. industry and, and like Hollywood people who, you know, like he, he is held in very high regard kind of by all sides. So I, I don't suspect that he would do oh, anything no, with no, ill no. intent, but so it's maybe worth mentioning that before, you know, cause yes, yes, yes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, Sometimes we jump to conclusions, and uh, I'm not even saying that we're going to jump to conclusions, but I'm, I'm just putting that out there. Just, no, no, totally. And case. I'm not saying you were, but I just yeah. felt like maybe that's worth, you know, hanging on hanging on the wall there before we start talking yeah. about this. Okay, so the quote from Vanity Fair is, the 2018 Solo explored Han Solo's younger years with Alden Ehrenreich taking on the role of the smuggler originated by Harrison Ford. The film has its admirers but it made less at the box office than any other live action Star Wars movie. Solo's swagger may be too singular for another actor to replicate. Quote, there should be moments along the way where you learn things, says Kennedy. Now it does seem so abundantly clear that we can't do that. Unquote. So it appears here that Kathleen Kennedy is saying the reason why Solo, a Star Wars story failed is because they recast the role of han solo people didn't want to see that that's why they didn't come to the theater a lot of people online are up in arms because there, there are a lot of fans of solo star wars story i i've become a huge fan of that film uh in multiple viewings and i out of uh you know any any problem that the film uh, it's not a perfect film any problem the film has you don't say I, I yeah i i don't think the the problem is alden 
I, I don't no, even God, love his no. performance, but like no. he's not the. Re- I don't think people watched the trailer and was like, "Oh, that's not Han Solo. I'm not going to see that." No, I I still think it goes. Back. And here's the thing: if you Alden Ehrenreich is a terrific actor, go back to watch Hail Caesar. His performance in Hail Caesar should have been. He should have gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination. He is so good, and his career really. I mean, not to say that he hasn't worked, but it. You know, the upward trajectory that he probably thought was going to happen because of this movie just didn't happen, you know, like and but um, yeah, I think it's I think a lot of this unfairly got hooked on him. But like just to recap here, uh, uh, Chris Lord and or is it Phil Lord and Miller of the Lego Phil movie. Lord and Chris Miller? I, God, I always get the ones. But OK, but uh, <laughs> of, of the Lego movie fame and of, of like 21 Jump Street fame and producers of the Spider-Verse and such. They were originally hired to direct this movie. They shot something like three quarters of the movie were fired, as I understand it, by Kathleen Kennedy personally. And, and, uh, and then Ron Howard was brought in to pretty much reshoot the whole movie, which ballooned the budget to almost $300 million. That doesn't help anything. So then that takes your $400 million grossing movie that nobody asked for and turns it into an absolute financial disaster other than a disappointment. Like, but, let's not- by, by the way, also, that's very public. Everybody knew about it. You know, my dad knew about it. Like, this right. is like something that's reported everywhere. So the stink, you know, it's when, when gig- that happens. Yeah, it's a gigantic. I, I still to this day can't believe the movie was that bad under Lord and Miller's stewardship that it was worth all of that. You know, I just don't know. Like, because that's because, again, like you said, at that moment, that becomes so public. Yeah. And and. You know, it's, you probably added a hundred million to the budget, easy. You know, so I don't know, but but so there's a again, this all goes to all these problems. So I, I think what people are sort of all of this to say, I think people are and and let's not forget, and I'm not trying to stir anything up here. Kennedy, as head of Lucasfilm, doesn't exactly have like like there's a lot of people that aren't like a fan of her in that position. Yeah. So I feel but, like but I, I do want to say that it's funny because there's contingent. That's not a fan of her. And there's contingent that is a fan of her and has been like, they, those two sides have been kind of fighting it out throughout the Disney star Wars ownership. And yesterday when this quote was published, the, the people that have been defending Kennedy for all these years, uh, it was funny to see them for once be like, Hmm. Yeah, kind of, but I think that thing is kind of like, so I'm saying there was already a bunch of people who anything she says, but then kind of, because I think it made it seem like she was hanging this on Alden's head. Yeah. And, and because I think it was easy to focus on that little quote. I think she was getting to a broader point that maybe it's just the idea that like, we can focus beyond feeling like we must continue these legacy characters and only these legacy characters and you know we need to recast these legacy characters because that's what star wars is i think she was kind of making a broader point and it, i like it's hard to make that broader point when your next thing coming out next week is obi-wan kenobi though again and that's the other problem and you got obi and you know so a lot of people were that and who knows when this interview took place and yeah uh because i think the things we've seen obviously recastings can work i for me Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, like, like that's, you know, even as much as I don't like the prequels, as much as the original trilogy, Ewan is still my Obi-Wan and, you know, so it can work. And yeah, but I think, you know, and yeah, that was a younger version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It can absolutely work. It's just, I just think the idea that no one was clamoring for a very specific Han Solo origin story 
when Obi-Wan Kenobi came into the prequels, it wasn't an Obi-Wan Kenobi origin story. Yeah, it was part yeah. of the whole story. I think you could have gotten away with a younger Han Solo. I saw somebody suggest that, you know, maybe you should have just done like Solo as a heist movie and like Han Solo's part of an ensemble or whatever. And like that could have worked. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think this you was... should have started with Lando and then introduced Han Solo as Lando loses the thing to him. I don't know. I'm still a guy that didn't need this movie. Like I, yeah. I still stand like of all the things we could have gotten, I stand 2000% by this is not what we needed. Like we could have had like a Boba Fett dirty dozen heist movie or something. Well, I, like agree, it... I agree with you, but you know, on the list of, <laughs> you know, everybody likes to be like, you know, George wouldn't have done this. George wouldn't have done this. Um, but on the list that he gave Kathleen Kennedy at Disney of like the th ideas he had for the future of Star Wars, the top of that list was a Han Solo origin movie. <laughs> so uh, yeah. th that was his idea. And I'm not saying George, you know, obviously the prequels are not great. Um, but uh, okay, let me turn this around really quick instead of us like pointing fingers at Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, what is, because I don't know, to me, this, especially with her saying, you need to learn things. And I feel like whenever Hollywood executives or producers learn things, it's always the long, the wrong lesson to take away. And it yeah, feels you've like, said this to me privately too. Like this yeah. is a thing you believe deeply. Yeah. It, like it seems like they always, it always re Hollywood repeats itself in taking the wrong lessons away from why things fail. And I, I don't know why Kathleen Kennedy believes solo failed, but reading this quote, it, it seems to me, even if it's not like because of Alden or casting, it seems to me whatever the lesson is she, she took away is the wrong lesson. Uh, look, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, again, I don't want to come off as like some <laughs> YouTube bro here. Like I generally don't know that. Look, Kathleen Kennedy's resume speaks for itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. But she had never been like the head, a creative head of a thing before. And I still don't know that she is the best creative head for Lucasfilm. Okay, I think I, I, I want to move past that though because I feel no, no, like no. Well, like, I guess what I'm getting, no, no, I'm, I'm making. Let me, I'm, I'm make my point here. Is okay. that so? I think that like, yes, I think it's very possible for someone like Kennedy to extract the wrong lesson yeah. from this. Like, and 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 she is still at the top of the food chain. So you know, we saw Obi Wan Kenobi was supposed to be a movie. As soon as Solo fails, that gets canceled. The yeah. Boba Fett movie doesn't, you know, like two that 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 is no longer a thing. Like this, there was a deep response from Lucasfilm, like within Lucasfilm, when this happened, and the yeah. top of that food yeah. chain is Kennedy. So clearly, that was her extracting that lesson. Yeah, I, I just want to move beyond like the the Kennedy hate train and, and maybe turn this into a discussion of you you and me. What is the if you were a Hollywood studio, if you're Disney, if you're Kathleen Kennedy, what is the lesson that you take away from Solo? failure like and not like just you know star wars is a budget. galaxy star wars is a galaxy it is we can move beyond these 10 characters <laughs> like that that because like rogue one for as much as it was based on two lines of text and an opening crawl it showed us a whole bunch of things we had never seen new characters new places in the galaxy new 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 you know so like and like even as much as it was you know, Star Wars is good at that. And so, like, you know, where you can take a small corner that is unexplored and show us new things. And so I think that was the lesson. And that's where, like, a Boba Fett thing might have made more sense. Like, where it's like, okay, yes, Boba Fett is popular, but we know nothing about him. 
you know, so yeah. there was more, there was more to explore there, more new, more new, more new. Now the Mandalorian came in and showed us a lot of things that maybe could have been explored in a Boba Fett thing, which potentially complicated the book of Boba Fett. That is neither here nor there. Yeah. My lesson is that's the thing. It, like, I, new... I'm shocked that this is your lesson because this is the lesson that I would have said, Brian. And as a box office guy, I thought for sure you were going to say the thing I've heard online many times, like they, you can't do two star Wars movies in a year. They need to be an event. It's not Marvel. I think star Wars can be Marvel. I think star Wars can be Marvel in some way. And I have seen that take before. Uh, again, I, there's a whole can of worms to open up here with, this movie specifically coming out five months after the last Jedi, very specifically. Yeah. Look, you can say whatever you want about, you know, I know that movie's got a 90 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes critic rating. Anecdotally, when you talk to fans about it, it's still very mixed, you know, like, and so. But it's also, you come off that very mixed movie and then the marketing for this movie. I think the marketing is also very much to blame because the marketing was like, we're going to, this is not a Star Wars marketed movie. This is, you know, we're going to put like hip music and we're going to, we're, we're making it cool. It's cool no, and fresh. I agree. It was a lot of things and it was the public state. So, but again, so, so I agree with that. I think you could do two Star Wars movies. I don't think you should, especially if we're going to have a bunch of shows <laughs> now. I think Star Wars movies should still feel special if you're going to keep doing shows and everything else. Cause that was the thing with Star Wars, right? Is you always had comics, novels, games, you had all this other stuff. You could have Star Wars 24-7 if you wanted it, but the movies are always what felt special. And I think moving forward, that can still be a key move for Disney. Yeah. But I think but I think to me that is consistently the lesson with Star Wars, is that even if you're dealing with a legacy character, not making the world feel small. You know, that that's where that's where you get caught up. It's it's weird because that is the lesson I think they should take, but if you look at the Mandalorian, I feel like they're not taking that lesson. <laughs> No, the, that's the, been the, so successful. the Mandalorian has taken that lesson very well. And when they bring in a legacy character or something, it's when it makes sense. Because a lot of that show has not necessarily hinged on those legacy characters. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, sure. like, so I think that, like, you can weave that stuff in. Like, for as much as you can, you know, you can say what you want about The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens does a very good job of, of making you care about those new characters before Han Solo even shows up. You know, like, so, so, you know, then he pluses up the whole thing, but it, it, you know, like I, I am interested in Kylo Ren. I care about Ray. I care about Finn before we meet Han Solo again, you know, like though, you know, so, and then like, you know, yeah, the universe feels a little small that Han Solo happens to find them on the Millennium Falcon. So what? It's a space movie. Let it go. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah. So I, I just think that to me is consistently the thing with yeah. Star Wars. Well, he's also tracking the money in Falcon. It makes sense. Right. That... Yeah. Well, you, sure. Whatever. But I'm just getting, you know, but like that to me is as a big fan of this stuff, you know, that was what I was reminded of when I did my Plagueis thing earlier this year is like, man, you know, even when that does come back around to tying into the prequels, like, geez, that makes the universe feel new again. And like, you know, that that's always a good lesson. okay we we, we got to move on it's funny i wish you could see the show notes before ryan and i start a podcast because i have the plans i have these grand plans to talk about all this stuff but ryan and i just love having these conversations and things get like shifted off the plans because we're like losing time uh but maybe another day we'll talk about those other things but you know the one thing i wanted to talk about lastly today 
is She-Hulk Attorney at Law. That's a new title. Uh, and all we knew is going to be called She-Hulk. This is the new Disney Plus series, the new Marvel series coming to Disney Plus, and the trailer came out. So if you haven't had time, go watch the trailer. The link is in the show notes. I wanted to uh, give our reaction to the trailer. And, you know, I'm gonna, for once, I'm going to take the, the the first spot here. And I'm going to say, I think this is the first Disney Plus TV series that I am literally, like, not sure I want to watch. Yeah. Uh, I thought She-Hulk made a lot of sense as a TV show. Yeah. Um, but... I, I honestly, after Moon Knight, I started to feel a little exhausted with how much Marvel stuff I'm dealing with. <laughs> like, I'm very excited for Miss Marvel. Like, I am really looking forward to Miss Marvel. Uh, I, I'm going to go so far as to say, and I do not want people to, like, jump jump down my throat here. This might be the worst teaser trailer for a Marvel Studios thing <laughs> ever. Yeah, but it's not Marvel fatigue for me, at least. It's, it, it's what you said right there. This is just a this looks bad. It's the a bad CG, trailer. The CG looks terrible. I don't understand why they released it with this like level of like, it seems like it's not done. No. And it's probably not. And I don't know. I mean, look, and that could all the, look, the CG could vary. This doesn't come out till August. The CG could look a lot better by then, but I think like a lot of the weird kind of like, I don't want to say they're, I don't know, the weird kind of like, it seems like a lot they're focusing like, oh, she's a woman and she's, I don't know, it, it feels, the tone of it feels very like backwards to me. Well, the jokes also felt, the jokes also feel really badly written. Like there's one on dating, there's like That's what I'm saying, that joke. stuff, it, it falls flat and and I don't know, I, I look, I, I don't have a ton of like she-hulk knowledge from like she-hulk tends to show up in stuff i read where it's not like a she-hulk comic like she-hulk pops up as a you know character within something else that i've read and the thing is like a ton of marvel stuff has won me over based on characters that i you know i don't necessarily i'm not as familiar with in the comics but like i just think that like man this this I don't know. And, and I didn't see a ton of like, there were definitely some people that thought this looked fun or whatever, but there was, I, I don't think you and I are alone in thinking this trailer didn't necessarily nail it. Um, I, I showed I, the trailer I, to, to Kitra and she usually, you know, she's usually the most excited to see these kind of things. And after the trailer, she just had questions. She was like, wait, so uh, she's his sister. How did she get the, how did she get the powers? Yeah, and they I was didn't. Like, they didn't really explain know. that in the trailer. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> yeah, because like, because like in the comics, if I'm not mistaken, the idea is that Jennifer Walters gets in a bad accident, and Hulk is her cousin. Her cousin, okay. Yeah, uh, um, and uh, and he ends up like giving her like a blood transfusion to like save her life, and then she kind of gets like a version of his powers, but she can control it a little better. Um, so like you know that's so she can still be like a functioning attorney while also being She Hulk. You know, like it's it's kind of a so I think the idea this totally like the idea of doing like an a like a like a legal procedural with like a superhero element seems like a fun idea, and that's why I always liked the idea of She Hulk as a show. But the trailer that they gave us just I don't know it yeah. But also like uh, doing the legal procedural kind of stuff sounded good to me. That was the appeal of this. But now she's like doing superhuman, like some kind of superhuman law division. 
I'm not sure if I like that. That I mean, seemed that, a bit shoehorned in there for sure. Yeah. Is that a way just to like sneak in other characters that it's we gotta you know? be, it's gotta be a way to sneak in like weird little B superheroes or whatever. I was like in the trailer, there was someone named Frogman that uh, <laughs> Ben Silverado in our chat was like the only one who knew and he kind of got excited about it. And um, <laughs> look, I have my C and D tier Marvel characters I get excited about, but yeah. like, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like make anyone else get excited about like, you know, <laughs> the very not often seen Spider-Man villain Raptor or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to yeah. get, I'm not going to be like, Oh guys, everyone's been waiting, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but also seems like Marvel has this thing now where it's contractually obligated whenever there's a new hero that they're showing either in movies or TV form and they have a trailer, they got to have that person, make a joke about the Avengers, like some kind of, you know, joke, like slamming the Avengers or making fun of the Avengers right before the, the logo so that, you know, Oh, it's, it's part of the Marvel universe guys. It's all connected. And uh, even though you don't know this person, they know, they, they, they know the, the other Avengers, just like, you know, the other Avengers. Yeah. They literally can't not reference the Avengers. Like, and no, I get it. Like Hulk is in this show. So you could maybe, there's some connection there for sure, but I don't know. I, I really hope that this is just a bad trailer and that like yeah. the, the, the I, I actually did have my concerns cause like making Hulk Hulk is not cheap. And so when your main character yeah. is she Hulk, I actually had my concerns of like doing that as a show of like, is the CGI going to look okay? And you know, let's hope it looks a lot better, but like, well, the weird thing is Hulk looked good. Yeah. But he's in it a lot less. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I mean. When your character who's in most of the shots in the, in the show, <laughs> it, it has to be like a fully CGI. I don't know. That gets expensive. And yeah, because these what was the quote yesterday in that Vanity Fair piece about the Star Wars show is having to do like twice as much stuff on a third the budget, you know, and it's got to look cinematic. That's essentially what you're doing with these shows. And, you know, sometimes you have to make sacrifices. So that I don't know. Like yeah. may maybe that's not going to work. I hope this is good. I hope, you know, my first reaction after seeing this trailer is like, I'm not sure if I want to do a weekly <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I don't show. know if I can. I, I really, after moon Knight, if I didn't do this job that I do, <laughs> like I would not, I would be very picky about it. Like I already said, I'm not going to watch what if season two, I don't care anymore. Like, like yeah. I've got to start. Cause just to preserve my own like love for the stuff I care about, like I, I gotta not deal with all of it just because like you know because i because i didn't watch all of what if season one i'll just be honest and then like when i saw dr strange 2 it didn't hurt it at all for me so you know i'm just gonna oh, start no picking not, not, not at all but it, it, it did, did you watch the end of what if season one no i don't care okay. <laughs> like, like i i, I the appeal of what if for me was that it wasn't gonna tie to anything and that it could just and then once i realized they were gonna kind of have it tie into things i'm like no yeah. i don't care like i was literally like nope i can't i can't I, this is too much so i think if i didn't do what i do for a living i think she hulk might fall into that category for me uh but duty calls you know what it, it's it's not marvel for fatigue at all for me but it's becoming a thing where everything marvel was a must watch i needed to see everything marvel and now I think I'm like you. I'm I'm gonna be picky. Like, what if season two? I'm not sure if I'm gonna watch that. This I'm gonna give a chance. 
Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. But I think, like, for me, like, what happened is I remember when Black Widow came out, and I watched Black Widow, and I was like, am I starting to feel fatigued with Marvel stuff? Because I just didn't care yeah. for it that much. And then Shang-Chi came out, and I'm like, oh, no, no, no I just like the good Marvel things still. <laughs> like, yeah. like Shang-Chi, it was awesome. And I walked out of Shang-Chi being like, hell yeah. And I, I was one of the rare people that, like, I think I like Eternals more than anyone else. Like, I have not met anyone that likes Eternals as much as I do. And I loved Eternals. And so that kind of gave me some renewed juice. Uh, but, you know, but then like Doctor Strange, <laughs> Doctor Strange went back to bumming me out. So, you know, we'll see. But Okay, we've reached the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please write and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.